Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. We look at iRacing from a hobbyist point of view, making you wiser, happier, and faster. I bring you experts like Brad Philpot. How's it going, Brad? Good afternoon, Spanners. Yeah, it's going really well. And karting fantasissimo and 3.5 botherer, Alex Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? Yeah, it's going all right. Would have been better if last night went better, but I'm sure we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how your stream went badly. I'd never dwell on that, Alex. I was in that race, and Alex disappeared off the standing sheet. Well, I even saw you on the relative, which meant you had a problem. I'm gonna, I feel tempted by you two. Now, I've got FOMO, because you two are always going on about Formula Renault 3.5. But here's, here's what's happened the entire time we've been doing iRacing, is I've gotten into a thing... You two have got bored of it quickly, moved on, and by the time I join you, you're already bored and move on. This has happened with MX5, Formula Renault 2.0. I know you guys were never really into MX5. Um, uh, Formula 3, guys, you've got to do Formula 3. So we pile all in that, and you're like, nah, F1's the way to go. So I struggle to get my A license, and I've been documenting on here my struggles to do my A license, made sure I put time aside for NPR, doing VRS, and then you guys are like, Nah, 3.5 is where it's really at. Yep. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> pretty much. It's, it's that whole thing of you're surprised that you've been tempted by me and Brad, that we're off going and doing something, and you're surprised that you're tempted by that. Well, I just wanted to be like the cool racy kids, because since we've been podcasting together for, what, the last four or five years, you you guys have been like, oh, they're the big boys of racing. Brad does like Nordschleifer, Alex it does all these karting things and is instantly good. And when we've turned up at karting events that I've organised, you're like the guys in their own race suit and everything. So that's why I get FOMO. I'm trying to, I'm always chasing you guys. But if it wasn't for you, I never would have got a PC. Nah, that's true. And you so you're fully into, to blame for that. You wouldn't be into iRacing. Fair enough. Uh, and it's worth noting that the last karting trip we did, I beat Van Jean, so I might never go karting again. Yeah, and I've done nothing but put weight on ever since. <laughs> There's um, nothing to do with that. It's skill. Yeah, as, as I said to you, as I said to you at the time, I, I I know I now know how Max Verstappen felt last year whenever he had Valtteri Bottas in front of him. Oh, right. <laughs> so I'm Valtteri Bottas in that situation with the yep. unfair advantage. Uh, but also, when it comes to eye racing, there is now there's no weight issue there. But I am at 2300 eye rating, and you are at 2286. So now I'm the Van Gene now. Look at me, I'm the Van Gene now. Yeah, I've I've spent the last three weeks crashing so <laughs> i've had i went from when i joined f1 at the beginning of last season i was at 2.6 and i've dropped to 2.2 or 2.3 whatever it is now um so yeah it's so, been a it's been a really really torrid uh 14 weeks for me on iRacing so maybe maybe 3.5 isn't for me then brad i just don't understand how people don't reach like 4 or 5k by accident like Surely you'd have to be deliberately losing I rating to to get down into the twos. Well, how's I, your trip to seven going, Brad? Yeah, how is it? Your quest to get to seven thousand I rating, the most important arbitrary number ever, apparently. 
Yeah, so that that thing that I I said in the last episode, I was on the final path to that, and it was I was like two races away from an easy seven k, and it was like if I just carried on as normal, I just had a normal race, got a podium, it would have been fine, and that all went absolutely down the toilet when I got nerfed on the start line when my beautiful start procedure just didn't work for random. I can't work out why it didn't work. It worked every single time. This one time, it just spun the wheels. And I can't replicate it. I can't make it do it again. But anyway, got hit from behind, came last. In the next race, I thought, you know what? I'll make up for it. I'll do the highest rated race of the week. I um, qualified. Sorry, Spanners. Someone is grinding the pavement (laughs) outside my window all of a sudden. That's good. It's ambiance. Carry on. Okay. (laughs) I decided to do a race afterwards just to make myself feel better. Got an amazing start. The guy that was in front of me lost control, spat his car across the track, fired me over the pit wall, and I was out of the race again. That time, definitely through no fault of my own. And I find myself now a couple of months away from 7K. Okay, look, fair enough. But the I-rating system, I'm I'm starting to really, really like it and appreciate it. I think it generally puts you where you should be if you're concentrating on a series. So me being on the cusp of split one, split two on the busiest sessions in F3. And if I jump in during the day, I I seem to definitely get split one now. That feels about right for where I am. And, you know, I'm pottering around at the back trying to pick up attrition. Now, nobody is going to win every race because you're going to have bad luck or like Brad, you're going to stuff up your start procedure every now and then. Doesn't your I rating just put you naturally where you are? Aren't you just a 6K kind of driver? I do agree with that, to be honest. Um, and um, as far as um, Brad's unfortunate with his start, it's on his stream. And it's as he goes, Alex, look, this is how you do the start. <laughs> and then proceeded to wheel spin. So you can go to at BradDude2K on YouTube and find that clip. Ah. Um, but, you know, with regards to I, I do tend to agree with you. I'm, I'm in a much harder series now. And the F1 series last season was much harder. And my I rating dropped. I'd got that I rating up through... Formula Renault 2.0 and Formula 3, which are easier series as far as the people you're racing with are concerned. Um, And um, now that I'm in a harder series, I find myself dropped back a little bit and I'm fighting for positions sort of in the middle of the pack. Uh, Hello to our live stream, by the way. Uh, We're streaming live on the Missed Apex Motorsport channel. That's where we stream all our Missed Apex rounds as well. Round 5 is July 9th and it will be at... Oh! Did I give it away? I didn't give it away. I didn't. Well done, me. I kept it secret. Hello, Mike Stoner in the chat. Hello, James Cotton in there as well. Uh, the reason we've kept it a secret is because if we just announce it a month out, like we have done in the past, people will practice literally every day until they get to the event. And some people were like, oh, that's not fair. I'm like a dad with eight jobs. I can't practice every day. I can't compete against you freelance bums who are working from home. By people, you mean Danny, right? Yeah. <laughs> Brad, do you th- what do you think? Where, what would you do if it's your series? Would you like, I'd be, I'd be tempted to only announce it like two days before. Well, yeah, because then you know where it is and you can just do loads of practice I, that you, you don't to want trust, them to do. You so. have to trust me. I'm not, how dare you? I'm a public figure. Well, I mean, who, who decides where the track is? <laughs> is it, is it literally random or do you decide? Because if oh, you I decide, decide. Yeah, even decide. if you don't know for sure where it yeah. is, you, you'll certainly have a list of options in your mind and yeah. you might have a hunch where you're going to decide. I've never practiced ahead of time. I just want to defend the whole I-rating thing. Okay, Sorry, okay, I, okay. I didn't no, get a no, chance no, no, to right. defend no my Do position. Um, I, I disagree. And because you say, oh, you're just a, a six point whatever K driver. It's a game. Like, it, it, this is part <gasps> of the game. To, uh, no, no, I don't mean I-rating is a game. Oh, okay. I mean, the quest for I-rating is a game. And part of that is putting yourself in a position where you work out how to to get around the system part of the problem with the system is stuff goes wrong you have equipment failures i've had hundreds and hundreds of i rating lost through things just not working like my computer just turning off or the vr headset resetting and all that kind of thing that's nothing to do with driver skill and i rating is supposed to be a measure of driver skill so i'm determined to make sure i eradicate any potential mistakes any equipment issues all that kind of thing and just nail the races until I get to the the thing that I deserve and and desire. Okay, but isn't there a case that everyone is suffering those kind of issues? Everyone's had a headset drop out, so you know. 
Yeah, and people will suffer them more if they don't try to to kind of get around them and make sure they don't happen. So that's part of yeah. the skill. In the same way that making sure, you know, silly little things, making sure your seatbelts are properly done up in your race car means that they won't ping open during a race. It's just one extra little thing you can cover off to make sure you have an advantage over other people. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yes. And and the equipment the equipment ladder that we've spoken about here is is certainly part of that. You know, I have to keep reminding myself sometimes you know, when you drop into like a Formula V race, you go, there's going to be people there with a desk clamp uh, on a on a laptop like I used to do. I used to have my my laptop like fully open, you know, not at 90 degrees like a normal laptop, but like as open as I could to get it a little bit higher and then propped up between a keyboard and like a box. And let's speak about those Formula Vs. Now I have finally driven ah, them. Ah, yeah. What, okay. what a hateful little car. <laughs> oh, no. What a horrible, horrible, hateful car that I never will drive again. Oh, no, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Okay, for you to drive, but what about as an entry series into open open wheelers? I mean, I guess, yeah, if, <laughs> if you if you want people to have a horrible experience when they enter iRacing. <laughs> Alex, you've done... I'm really, really shocked. Alex, you've done the Formula Vs. They're, they're fine. They're, they're no worse than... I mean, they are much better than the MX-5. I think the MX-5 is a hateful, horrible car that I never want to drive. Um but no, the Formula V is fine. Um, you know, it's fun. You can sort of play around with it on the limit and it's not as leery as the Skippy, which I don't like. Um, and yeah, it gives you, you know, it gives you a chance to uh, start with your open wheel skills. I mean, I, I tried to play around on the limit. I probably practiced in the car for like 40 minutes. And all I found was that I just understeered off the track all the time. There was like, you couldn't dance on the on like a neutral balance limit. It was just understeer no power horrible experience oh wow so i jumped in it and the th- the thing that struck me was that it taught you how to at least manage oversteer understeer so when i've put my lad in it i've seen him have the same kind of experience that he has in a cart and i just felt like oh if people are doing this before they jump into Formula Renaults and Formula 3s, they're at least going to kind of learn the basics of how to stop yourself understeering or losing the back end. Yeah, I, I do agree. You'll find everything else easier once you've done it. It's like the absolute worst case scenario. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that, I, I, um, I have started my lad um, on the Formula Vs. He's got his own account and that is that is free content. We have an account that we already pay for for the iRacing broadcasts, but it's never been raced. It's what our video director uses. So he's starting afresh on the Formula Vs. He is on the, the bottom of 13 splits, the, the first competitive race he did, and he finished third. He got a podium. And so he's got his first podium in, uh, in iRacing, and I'm jealous because I don't think I've had a podium since maybe september last year go on tree face yeah okay. he's done it he's done all right he's really enjoyed it so we're not going to let brad ruin that but also this is where the i rating system kind of falls down a little bit so you jumped into a new series and everyone seems to take a penalty on uh, i rating when they jump into a new series and it stops you jumping in and out so because long beach is a terrible idea i decided not to do that on f3 because it just that is just i'm going to get upset why am I paying $17 to get upset? So I've given that a miss, jumped on our normal swarm night, and a few of the guys were doing LMP2 at Red Bull Ring. So I thought, okay, I will jump in, I'll have a practice, and I kind of got to grips with it so I wasn't crashing. 10 minutes practice, I went, do you know what? I'm going to go for it. Most of these races have a ton of attrition anyway, so I'm going to go for it. Not a single car in, in the, the split that I was in, which was like two out of six, crashed. So I finished dead last, lost 82 I rating, uh, ended up uh, getting like 12 incident points and accidentally punting the second place guy when I was being lapped because, you know, it takes 18 years to break. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm really tempted to try like GT3s, um, but I'm not very good in them. So it will take me some time to get used to it. I, I jumped into a race at Sebring a while ago and I was last by miles because I just didn't know the car and I couldn't drive the thing properly. Um, but also, so it does, it makes you go, oh, do I really want to risk yeah. dropping everything down? And then when I go back to my series, not be in the splits I want to be because I've lost Absolutely. So much I-rating. But also what I have found, you talk about no one crashing and no attrition. When you get into the higher class races, like the B-class like the B series that 
F3.5 is in mm. and the A-Class series that IGP is in is, you're right, the drivers are better and they don't go off the circuit. So I was in sort of, I was in a battle for sort of ninth and 10th last night. And I'm like, it's road America. Someone's going to fall off the track. And the person that fell off the track was yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, everyone, and, and the lap times are so close and, you know, you're gaining one or two tenths or losing one or two tenths when in F3, if you're slightly out of position, you can gain seconds um, ra- rather easily. You know, like, oh, I can catch this guy. And you're like, oh, actually, I'm only catching by 0.1 yeah. a second a lap and I've only got five laps left. Yeah, so doing that LMP2, I didn't do another race because it was going to stop me from being top splits in F3. And top splits in F3, you genuinely can have a pit lane start and finish 13th if you want. Like if you just want to pick up 20i rating at a time, you can you can absolutely do that. So I wonder if there's a case for a kind of series rating and, and doing the splits by a series rating. Brad, would that encourage you to do to do more different series? Uh, that's an interesting point. I do the series I do because I enjoy driving the car. I, I don't do the Formula 3.5 because it is necessarily where I'll get most I rating. That that is that is my aim, obviously, to progress with that. But if I didn't enjoy driving the car or enjoy the style mm. of racing, I wouldn't do it. So um, the reason I stay away from, generally stay away from the GTs, I know we did Le Mans a few weeks ago, it is because I just don't find them as enjoyable on I racing because you're because you're missing G force as as a sensation because that's like the one thing that that isn't being replicated. Um, I feel like when you're in a car that there's a lot of momentum, like a GT car, and the car is heavy and it's difficult to slow down, it's harder to it's harder to drive it more naturally in a sim. Whereas when I jump in something yeah. that's got lots of grip, it's light and it turns quickly when I tell it to. It's very direct, like a single seater. It feels a bit more easy to drive without the G-force being told to you. Yeah, fair enough. And you've probably you know you've become a kind of single seater specialist a little bit in sims which is like the opposite of what you are in real life exactly i was going to just bring up mm. that point if this was real life i wouldn't be fit although i'm pretty fit i wouldn't be fit enough to jump in a, in a formula 3.5 or a, effectively a formula 2 level car no way not even close it wouldn't last a couple of laps um and and a gt style car or a tin top in general would, would definitely be the thing i'm more suited to yet on iRacing because I feel I can drive more naturally in a single seater. That's the thing I gravitate towards. So um, yeah, I, that, that is, I think maybe a series um, rating thing might be a good idea. I'd need to hear more about it. I mean, I think the, um, the, the point that Brad brings up there about momentum and about the way the cars move around. And I think what that does for me is it just makes the single seaters more fun to drive. Um, you know, I feel like I have to have such a ridiculous level of concentration in the GTs to get it round a lap, let alone an entire race with other people around me. Um, but in a single seater, you can kind of thrash it, drive yeah. it a little bit on autopilot, have the fun, and then push it beyond the limits. Yeah, well, even with the LMP2, I, I thought that I had some kind of fault with my brake at first because I'm desperately trying. And then the instincts, uh, it takes a while for those instincts to change. And that's why I ended up Hitting, I, I let both the leaders through. You know, I moved over, I let them through. Then I tucked in behind and I just didn't break in time. Obviously, you can survive a little bit more in a LMP2. So it didn't ruin his race. He was not happy with me on the voice chat at all. Not very forgiving at all. Um, but I shouldn't have been in that race. So, like, the, surely there's some system where I should have jumped in and and been in a lower tier. Do you know what I mean? I should have been in a lower split. Or, like, if you have some kind of series specific rating like you need that to go in the top two splits if you come in without that rating and you're six thousand you're going to get put in split three and you've got to work your way up i don't know i'm just an ideas guy i'm not a practical guy so they use a, a very similar system to this in real life racing at the nordschleifer oh. you could be lewis hamilton but you couldn't enter a vln race nice um, without a specific nordschleifer license and even and even then you couldn't enter in a fast or a high-powered car even as a Formula One driver, there's no way around the system because I've seen it happen. Andre Lotterer, who raced for, was it Caterham in Formula One a few years yeah. ago? He, he came in. He wasn't allowed in a GT3 car because he hadn't done enough races in the kind of slower power cars to get his A permit. So um, maybe, maybe that would work in sim racing too. Yeah, I think something like that. So if I, my aim now, I've, I've put my aim to get into like mid to high 2000 I rating. So I'm risk-free when I do F3. I'm risk-free. I'm always going to be in the top split. That's my aim. 
that limits me from doing anything else. So I can't jump in Formula V to, you know, to have a race because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm risking my eye rating for something that I don't know how to drive and I'm not competitive in. And that's just kind of restricting the fun. Um, Thomas in, in the live chat said there is a, that's what week 13's for. That's what he said. Don't even start me on week 13. Week 13, where the things I've spent hundreds of pounds on, all that content that I have paid for, if I happen to have a free week in week 13, I can't do that. I've got to go and race little wings around the centrifugal circuit. Yeah, unfortunately, Thomas has picked the worst three people to bring up a question <laughs> about week 13 with, because I think we all really, really dislike week 13. And the thing is, it's not what week 13 is for, because you only get one day to practice a track. So, you know, in if, if let's say the GT3 was at Red Bull Ring, I'd want a good few days to practice that car on that yeah. circuit to get up to speed because there are guys miles and miles up the road as far as lap time. I'm talking two, three seconds up the road that it's time you have to find just by understanding the car. Um, and some people are more adaptive. You know, Brad will be much more adapted to that kind of thing than I am. But for me, I really have to get sort of really embedded in a car and a circuit to learn how it works and to jump from car to car to car to car from sorry from track to track to track over the course of one week is not enough to prepare yourself for a series a lot of the chat room here maverick oh that's danny isn't it maverick sim racing and uh kirk i was nearly called kirk by the way kirk say they're talking about separating open wheel and and tin tops basically and that that feels like it would make sense because there's definitely a, a single seater progression but then that automatically gives you an A license. So I've got the A license to go and do all the tin top stuff. And I'm absolutely rubbish at all of that. So yeah, maybe there's a case for those two to be separated out uh, a little bit more. Uh, force feedback was the main thing I wanted to talk about today. We've got a really good question about it, but I've completely forgotten who sent us the question. In fact, no, Brad, you got the question. It was a, an email to you, I think. Ah, yes. I don't remember who it was either, though, oh, okay. because I wasn't prepared. <laughs> but I, I, I was nodding um, in excitement because uh, because this is something that's a really interesting topic to talk about. Okay, so let's start with how close is the general steering experience in a... Well, let's split it up between the off-the-shelf, let's say, the, the bottom-end commercial wheels like the G29, G27, those kind of wheels. And then we've got the belt-driven ones of the the T300 and the Thrustmaster TSPC that I've got here, all the way up to then these direct drive wheels that you're rocking, Brad. Do any of them come close to the feel you get when you are driving? And you've driven all range of cars as a as a um, instructor. You've driven competitively in a bunch of, of uh, GT and road cars, and you've also tested single-seater cars as well am i getting anything close to the steering feel of any race car yeah so the first thing to point out is that in in real life you're not you're not just getting your steering information through yeah. the weight of the steering wheel you're also getting it through the the g-force your body is experiencing your inner ear and you know other sensations outside of just this this what you're feeling through the steering wheel and in fact if you were to ask most professional race drivers how what does the steering wheel do in your hands when you experience understeer or oversteer or or you know all that kind of thing or you hit a curb which direction does the wheel go the vast majority of them won't be able to tell you because they're not thinking about it it's a thing that happens and they do respond to it correctly because they've learned but they've never had to consciously think about what the information is that's coming through the steering wheel um, which is why this is a bit of a, a a kind of interesting topic because we are in a we're in a a hobby here where the feel through the steering wheel is yeah. all of the steering information yep. we're getting. That's that's where we need to interpret that correctly and it needs to be accurate in order for us to be fast. If you've ever had a steering failure in, in iRacing where the force feedback's just stopped, unless you're someone who's just always used no force feedback, it's almost impossible to drive. I, I certainly yeah. couldn't get round a lap without any force feedback. So in terms of the, the weight and the information that's coming through a modern direct drive steering wheel, I think it's almost indistinguishable from what you would have in a real car, provided the settings are correct. Yeah. And you've got something that's got enough potential to provide enough torque. I think if, if you closed your eyes and you removed G force from the equation, it was purely the sensation coming through the steering wheel. I think a modern for, uh, direct drive force feedback yeah. wheel is giving you basically exactly what you get in real life, even to the, the point where the weight 
is the same. So the reason someone asked me that a question uh, in an email was actually talking about how many Newton meters of torque I thought a GT3 car produced in real life because they wanted to get their wheel similar. Well, I think this is because as well with this baby Fanatec direct drive wheel, there's two power options. There was the five Newton meter option and the eight Newton meter option as well. So there's a lot of people thinking, well, which option should I go for? If And are we leaving some of the racing experience off when you talk about the five Newton meter option? For example, your have you got a podium direct drive wheel? Is that what you've got? I've got a Simiacube 2 Pro. Oh, so okay. the, the, almost the top. So there's one that's an ultimate, which goes up to, I think, 30 Newton meters, which is just right. excessive. <laughs> okay, what's um, yours? What's yours? Mine, mine's like 21, I think. Oh, okay. Um, so tw- as a, as a maximum. Do you ever get anywhere near to 21 Newton meters when you're setting yours? No, I think I have mine set to 15 as a maximum, something like that. But in reality, unless you're driving a very high-end single-seater, you will never experience that kind of feedback through a real life steering wheel because most race cars have power steering even a formula one car has power steering although they will tune that to still allow a very a pretty heavy steering sensation i'll try and go into the reasons why that's a good thing yeah no do do that now i mean that was going to be my next question was do we want to have the same sensation do we want to have the same information and do we want to have the same weight yeah so in the same way that you want to have a brake pedal which allows you to press it very firmly because that expands the resolution at which you can brake. It basically gives you a a bigger range of brake application if your brakes can take, say, I'm just pulling this out of thin air, but say your brakes can take 20 kilograms of force as opposed to another brake which only accepts one kilogram of force maximum. You've just got a much higher resolution of of how much brake you can apply. For the same reason, the force feedback or the, the, the weight of the steering being heavier allows the the sim to give you a greater depth of information of how much grip you've currently got and when that grip starts to bleed away if you if you kind of took that to an extreme and you had a wheel where there wasn't so much weight yeah it would be a, a lot more binary it kind of be there's some grip or there's no grip whereas when you expand this range you make it heavier up to say with my wheel say around 20 newton meters um you can the sim can just tell you more but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make you quicker because sometimes having to hang on to a bucking bronco of a heavy steering wheel like that will cause you to be slower. Oh, I'm loving, loving the construction sounds in the background there. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> My neighbours have decided to have their driveway dug up literally as we started this podcast. Curse them. No, it's absolutely fine, people. I can probably edit it out and uh, people understand that we are not in studios. Uh, I just want to add to that, you know, the resolution and the knowing whether you have grip or not. When I went from the 300 to the TSPC, that is the biggest single step I've taken. And it was unbelievable. And and I didn't have to think about it. I just instinctively knew how much grip I had on corner exits and I could push way more. And we're talking over a second a lap, just like that, without thinking about it. And that's because with your previous wheel, the difference in feel between a little bit of understeer, for example, and a lot of understeer is not very much. Whereas the greater number of Newton meters your wheel can can provide you with, the more you can tell that difference and you can just tell a bit more about exactly what's really happening to those tires. Yeah, um, we've got in the chat, we've got Danny asking Alex to tell tell the story of when they turned up his force feedback for you. So I went to Danny's to go try out his sim rig and um, he's got a um, podium DD1 uh, with a fan attack podium, the Fanatec podium DD1, which is also 21 Newton meters of torque. And he runs his at about 30%, which actually is about, uh, which works out at about six, seven percent. Alex does maths. Yep. <laughs> um, definitely haven't done that on the calculator before. Um, and, and he's he's right. It gives you more resolution. And as I said before on a previous show, the beauty of a direct drive wheel over a belt-driven wheel like my uh, TSPC, which is the same as your spanners, is the smoothness. But what we did was we was he'd been. You see lots of things in forums. People saying they put their wheels up really, really high, and he put me in an indie car and turned the wheel up to seventy percent. Yeah, and I could not hold the wheel straight. He should have videoed it because it was hilarious. Because I'm just like this going down <laughs> going down the straight so you just can't hold it and it is the extra power is there for the resolution and the uh, detail okay so that wobbling down the straight is at least one thing that these these wheels don't tend to very accurately represent that doesn't happen in a real car that's a that's a kind of force feedback 
issue with the damping where kind of around the center it, it tries to recenter itself and it bounces either direction so that that isn't a thing you'd have yeah, in it's a, an over a real car. It's an overcorrection yeah exactly um you know if you've got a real indie car with very very heavy steering that wouldn't be such a problem but um but yeah you're right most of the time if you were to whack these force feedback these direct drive wheels up to their maximum then it's going to be way higher than than actually the real car would be those indie car uh wheels settings seem to be automatically heavier they make you jump in an indie car say from an f3 and it makes your wheel feel very very heavy and i put my lad in the indie car and like bless him he doesn't complain ever and he's sitting there and he's like starting to sweat as he's going around the track i'm like is that wheel heavy he's like yeah it's really heavy so i had to like really crank it down um i'm interested in you saying that f1 drivers are basically picking the weight of their wheel because they could just have it so that it was fingertip driving. So they're in the same situation as us because we don't have to have any feedback. So how do they pick the the weight that they want and how should we pick the weight that they want? I, w- I will just say, like, I've been going in between really heavy because it feels amazing and it's a great pump and I feel like I'm getting, like, the full racing experience. But I have found that when I crank it down to, like, 10, I don't know what the thing is, 10 in the settings, so at 16 feels really great, but it's way too hard. I go down to 10. It feels quite light, but I seem to get faster lap times. So how do we pick? It, it's going to be a little bit down to what works best for you. You asked about how a Formula One driver would pick. Yeah. And obviously I've got no experience of, of being a yeah, Formula sure. One driver, picking in a, a certain amount of uh, power steering level. But it would just be the, the amount that gives them the, the enough information, like the amount of required information through the steering without being so heavy that you can't, quickly apply corrections one of the reasons i don't turn mine up any higher than i currently have in in iRacing is that when i need to quickly apply opposite lock make micro corrections or a big correction um to stop the car getting too sideways in in a particular moment if it's too heavy i can't do that accurately enough or quickly enough so i find the balance where i have enough information when i'm loaded up in a corner but it's not so heavy that i can't deal with things that are happening when the car gets out of shape and it's hard to, to actually have that direct comparison unless i put it in the setting the in fact hey brad do you want to come over for a for a cuppa right i will set it to the settings i like and then you might sit in it and just go this is ridiculous like it's way too light what are you doing you idiot which is what you did on my g29 i brought it around your house one time and you giggled and laughed and called my setup a, a toy setup and mocked me yeah, because how, how I was thinking, how can you feel anything <laughs> through this? Although I, I had the same thing. It was G27. I um, I've, I've experienced in, in real race cars where the steering has been too heavy that I couldn't push hard enough because I wouldn't be able to correct mm. when the car got sideways. I wouldn't be, because it's not just about applying opposite lock. When you apply opposite lock, normally the wheel wants to go in that direction. So the thing that you're feeling when the car gets sideways is actually the wheel is being pulled out of your hands in the direction you should be turning to correct yeah. it. So the initial correction actually is is easy. But the bit that's difficult is then immediately straightening the wheel afterwards. That's the bit where you have to f- push through the force feedback. You're having to effectively scrub the tires straight again, even though the the car itself, it, from your uh, from your viewpoint, the wheel wants to ter- keep turning into the slide because the car is at an angle. So I've felt that in real race cars, testing F3 cars, and actually racing in Formula Palmer Audi, which was kind of a slightly lower than a Formula 3 equivalent in the mid-2000s. The steer- there was definitely no power steering, massive, big, fat, slick tyres, and a-, a geometry in the steering which made it unbelievably difficult to turn the wheel. And I, I was held back because... I, I couldn't confidently correct those slides. So that would be an example where if I was in Formula One and, and I wanted I could tune the steering, or if I was in iRacing, I would tune it down so I was quicker. There are a few things in iRacing to help you get the settings right. So first of all, there's the initial settings page where you set the where it says force and yeah. it's set there in Newton meters. And you set that to the maximum Newton meters of your wheelbase. Uh, people have messed about with it and put it high and put it low. But that is, you're, you're telling the sim what your peripheral, your wheel, is putting out to them. Is that the um, top bar? Is that the top bar? That's the force? top one, yeah. Oh, and then the, I, I was adjusting that to taste. I, that's no, the one I've been adjusting to taste. No, oh. so that should be at about 6.5.6, I think, which is what our wheel gives it. Um, you then got dampening, which you don't want any of. I don't really understand it, but damp- having no dampening seems to work. And then you have minimum force. Now, minimum force is 
the amount of force that the system puts through your wheel before your wheel detects it. Um, so if you put that at zero, it's trying to detect absolutely everything and your wheel can't pick it up because it's not, you know, our wheel, for example, I've got mine set to, I think, 2.7. And the reason I found 2.7 is there is a um, uh, an application which detects the minimum force, yeah. um, but that's quite a long process. I want to do that another time. But the other one is one you can do in the car. When you go onto the setup page, uh, the, there's uh, where you can adjust your wheel mirrors and your height of your seat. At the bottom, there is one that says force feedback. And after a few laps, a little button turns up next to it that says auto. And if you just press on that, it sets your steering to the resolution limit of the sim so it's what the sim thinks is the heaviest you can have your wheel at without losing any resolution i, I will don't, just add a note to that is that don't do it stay off the curbs if you're going to do that because that affects correct. Uh, what it thinks the, the settings will be brad also don't do that with a direct drive wheel because it'll just rip your arms off because it'll go oh yeah th- you can cope with 20 newton meters that's <laughs> what i will let you have uh fair enough i think um yeah that, well, that's good. All right, good. And so a lot of it will be down to preference, but I was just wondering if there's like, I mean, I'm in F3 and someone should is going to say to me, no, you definitely want it super heavy in F3. What are you doing, you idiot? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Set it to whatever you are quickest at. It's just, it might not be immediately obvious why you're quicker with a certain setting. One of the other reasons why having a bit more weight tends to be good is it stops you or at least tries to prevent you from applying too much lock too soon. You know, a lot of people induce understeer because they they turn in with more steering Uh, than is actually required. Um, And having a heavier wheel kind of prompts you that it, it helps you feel where the heaviest point is so you can keep it at the point where it, it, you know, you're on the point where you're nearly understeering, but not quite. So anyway, it's yeah. do do you. You do you. <laughs> Alex. No, you were done. Okay, good. No, that was a really good um, segment, actually. Thank you very much for that that detail, Brad. You're always very pre- patient with us idiots and our, and our stupid questions. Uh, that brings us near to the end of this recording. And someone stupidly has scheduled this over FP2 of the, the Styrian Grand Prix. But... Uh, Two quick ones, um, a little bit of GT3 um, and oh F3. We've not really talked about this. F3, open league versus fixed. So what they're running now is you have the open, you'll have an open race. And then in the next hour, you'll have a fixed race with the iRacing settings. So I have decreed and I've decided and I, su- I assume I'm in charge uh, that the the fixed league is the real F3 league. And the open league is now the hacker league because I've definitely noticed a li- just I've just noticed a bit of a difference where I'm not surprised in the fixed league. I feel like I'm I'm racing someone and we're all racing the same thing. And then I'll jump into the open league and then someone's got a ridiculous advantage on the straights because they've got some weird negative rake madness going on. And you just you're not seeing that in the fixed. So I, that's what I think. I'm settled, Alex. I'm not in, I don't I don't care about the hacker league anymore. I'll do it for fun, but I'm not invested in it. 
you know me, Spanners, I love to disagree with you, but I'm not going to disagree with you on this Woo. one. Um, I even went and had a go at the at last week's one, which was Watkins Glen. at Watkins Glen. And the setup was actually really nice. Yep. Even on cold tyres, straight out of the pits was 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 really nice. And, you, and I felt that you could push easily, which just for when you want to jump from series to series and you want to do more than one series a week, having a decent fixed setup is really good. It's like, but not all the fixed setup leagues are good. So there's the Ferrari... Uh, three, four, five, eight, whatever it's called these days, uh, challenge, which is a fixed league. And that setup is horrible. <laughs> that, that I've tried it at so many different tracks and it's horrid to drive. Um, so not all fixed leagues are, um, are, are born equal, but this one is very good. Right. So I think, and I've said this loads of times, you're much better served having just your own driving to work on as a, a thing to take up your time when you've got some practice time rather than having to improve your driving, but always questioning whether, yeah. should I just be changing the setup? Could I find more time by changing something in the setup and then having to try that and then adapt your driving to that new setup? And it's just way more efficient and way more beneficial as a driving sim for you to be being the driver and not the engineer. Yeah, we, we can have a separate game, can't we, that is like, I engineer. And that's it, and people can, can just be engineers. So between those two setups, what people have been saying is, well, okay, it worked quite well at Watkins Glen. What if you get an iRacing setup that's a stinker? It might ruin the series. Well, we'll see if that happens. But generally, the iRacing setups, they were a bit wobbly at first. And then we started noticing more and more like, oh, actually, they're kind of getting it right. They're on the safe end of things. They're on the, what's that, the balance, Alex? Yeah, they're, they're, they're a lot more balanced. They're not yeah. the fastest. But they, they they make sure you don't understeer or oversteer at every single corner. So I had a direct comparison here because uh, Dory, Dory Tabachnik, uh, go and search out his, his YouTube channel, Dory underscore N. He distributes a, a setup and it was marginally nicer to drive. So between the two, I would probably have Dory setup. But once we got into the, you know, in the swarm, we're doing an open and a fixed it wasn't worth switching between the two. I just stuck with the iRacing setup. And I didn't, you know, it didn't it didn't stifle my enjoyment. It was slightly less pointy. Um, so I think that's a win to start with. Um, but when I jumped into the LMP2, I think I definitely wouldn't have done it if it was an open setup. I know it was a disaster and I shouldn't have done it. But the fact that it was fixed meant, oh, I can jump in. Um, I don't know. I think some setups, I think, yeah, I don't know. If we took it away forever the the open setups would it really detract from the game i think it'd make it more of a meritocracy really because you know at least if you jump into a new series and you know the setup is fixed that you could still be at a disadvantage in terms of your own equipment but if we set that aside it's really just your driving you know you you just need to improve the driving and if you drive as well as someone else then then you will be as fast as them so it's just one one less variable that you have to worry about. I have to admit, when we came up from the MX-5s to, to the Formula Renault 2.0 and set up suddenly became an issue, I did have a bit of a, just a long sigh, you know, just like a, oh, really? We've got to do, we've got to do what? And I didn't know really about the setups. I jumped straight into the Skip Barber at one point, and this is before we all had the organized stuff. And so I'm happily just driving along in baseline, wondering why I couldn't do anything and couldn't go, like, this is rubbish. This is absolutely terrible. I didn't know about what baseline was or that people had fancy setups. I bet if I went back to that now, I'd find it very, very drivable. So yeah, I'm not a massive fan of the setups. Glad to see the F3 fixed setup and looking forward to that this season. Um, very last thing, Spa 24. Mist Apex Inc. is throwing our weight behind an entry into the Spa 24 GT3s. That's all I know about it. I'm not an expert on tin tops at all, but we have some very uh, good tin top specialists in our team. So if you are listening to this and you're one of our swarm and you normally do the F3s, come and join us uh, for this one event. We're going to we'll put you in a team unless you're an if you're an elite guy, we'll put you with like elite people trying to win. So if Brad and Alex want to do it and they want to win, we'll put mush you into a mega team. No, you don't want to be in Alex's team, Brad. I'm definitely not elite. I would definitely not put myself anywhere near elite. I've said enough about my poor performance in GTs to definitely not put myself anywhere near elite. I think I will dodge the 24 at this particular moment in time. Well, the other thing we're doing for just participation is everybody else that doesn't mind about winning, we're going to try and equalise all the team's I ratings to increase the chances of us getting into, you know, having multiple teams 
in one race. So I think that will be really good fun. We've got an international uh, uh, swarm. What do you call it? International swarm population. So we can have like the Australians doing the night races. Uh, we'll have the, the Brits starting it off because they'll have finished work. And as the Yanks finish work, they can jump in. And then we chuck the Aussies in afterwards. So we're going to try and like really, we'll put you into teams of four or six, split you split you up so that um, it's all nice and manageable. Uh, but I don't, I'm completely just firing blind. I've got no idea what it is, how it will work out, whether it will be fun. Uh, but you guys seem to have enjoyed your 24-hour experiences. Well, Van Jean didn't. He didn't get one, but, <laughs> didn't get but I did. <laughs> uh, I, to, to be fair, I, I enjoyed the experience of it because obviously, yes, okay, I didn't get to race before we got wrecked and got over about an hour's worth of damage. Um, and by that point, everyone in the team had gone, can't bother anymore. Um, I actually went out and did do a stint and did a really good stint. And then when I went to do my second stint, I just threw all caution to the wind and ended up doing it. But um, I wouldn't have done that having um, having a... Uh, having not been already well out of the race. But I love 24-hour events. I've done numerous 24-hour karting events, and I love being part of a team. And there is something really cool about watching your driver drive around the circuit while there's three of you in a chat, talking them around the race, talking about other cars that are coming past, to giving them different updates on things around the track and feeling like a real race team. And that's the feel that you kind of get from doing these events, especially with things like Discord. You can hear each other really, really well. Um, and you're at home, so you're not cold or wet and you can sleep in a bed um, and you've got all your creature comfort. So in a way, it's better than a real world 24 hour. It certainly, there's a lot of things there that you don't get to do in a real 24-hour race. Like your teammates aren't generally riding on board with you all the way around, seeing everything that's happening, seeing every one of your mistakes yeah. and, and able to go, when you say, oh, I think I touched someone, is there any damage? In real life, your team can't just go on a camera angle outside and zoom in and go, <laughs> no, it looks, looks absolutely fine. So you actually get even more detail. You get to actually be this real, work as a real team unit in a way that's actually enhanced over a real life 24 hour race and like i've got to take my lad to cricket practice uh, saturday morning i wouldn't be able to do that in a real 24 hour but we're going to try and work around everyone's schedules and uh, try not to get anyone in trouble with their spouses or partners and when i said to my wife no it's a 24 hour race her face she and i'm like no 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 i'm not racing for 24 hours i only have to do like four hours or something in that time uh, but yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to it i don't know what to expect i think we're going to do go for a friday start time so friday evening through to a saturday evening please come and get involved in the first instance just email us at race control at mistapex.net race control at mistapex.net um come get involved we'll have practice sessions there's experts there do you think this is a good choice brad spa 24 gt3s yeah, I think it, I think it's good because it's an iconic track. It's a good set of cars. I know you wanted to talk about the differences of each of the cars, but I don't know whether you've got time for that now. But it, it's just a good event. It's a it's a proper twenty four hour race. You don't have loads of different classes, but you do have different types of car, and the track's fun. And I think it'll be really good. Okay, I'm really looking forward to it. And Alex, despite having less I rating than even a Spanners, you have been doing some racing masterclasses. A bit pretentious, if you ask me. By the way, yours is 2243, which is about 40 less than me. Ah, don't, I um, forgot, I forgot you did, about... You did do that earlier, and I was just like, that's not right, because I checked it. Do you know what I, for, <laughs> what I forgot about was the LMP2 race where I lost 80 <laughs> I rating curses. But before that, before that, I was temporarily higher than you. You were. So, yeah, no, I... I you guys talked about it on last week's show. I had a really good race at Hockenheim in the F3.5 and I had some amazing racing with some, with some people I've never raced with before. And I, and I was watching through the video and I just thought the race craft here between people was great. So I thought, you know, the one, I'm, I'm not the fastest guy on the planet in anything. I never have been, but I've always been very, very good in racing situations. And it's something that's, that I've always been good at judging where to be. It took me a little while to get on board with it in the, virtual world i was struggling at the start um but i'm much much more on top of it now and i don't get in many crashes in racing incidents anymore um and i thought i'd put together a whole bunch of videos of how to behave in certain racing situations there's so many videos out there where people moan about this person crashed into me whose fault is it blah 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 and i didn't want that i wanted a bit more of a positive video it's a case of these are the kind of things that you should do and i've done two videos so far they're on my youtube just look for my name alex van jean v-a-n-g-e-e-n um and you can have a look at them and tell me what you think i'm going to do a few more i think the next one i want to do will be based on um how to survive a start 
Um, I've, I've found enough videos now that I've got some good starts to take to take from. Um, yeah, and if you want to, send me your own videos of decent racecraft and I'll make something on that. All right. Through all of that, all I'm thinking of is like images burned into my head of you on a go-kart track and just the utter filth that I've seen from you at Missed Apex events. But uh, yeah, by all means, make videos about clean racing. Um, karting's a little bit different. You don't get damage <laughs> or I-rating losses. Poor or David Hatton. I still remember you. Turn one at Wright House. You couldn't get past him. So eventually you just give him a little nudge, sent him out wide and went, oh, look, a lovely gap. That's not actually into. what happened. That's exactly I, I, what I happened. literally pushed him round the circuit um, <laughs> until he ran out of talent. Um, which took a while. He did very well that day. Uh, Brad Philpott, uh, Brad, such Brad Philpott on YouTube. Yep, that's it. The followers are going up. It's good. Is People it? are obviously enjoying the streams. Yeah, I, I'm getting roughly 100 followers a month. Um, the the kind of predictor app that I use reckons that I'll be at 5,000 by the end of the year. So we'll, we'll keep pushing on. I'll keep making streams. Brilliant. And search for uh, at Bradley Philpott on Twitter and at uh, Alex Van Jean on twitter as well last question from the chat there kirk just says do you all race gt3s at all are you experienced or beginners never i've never raced a gt3 i don't think so yeah there'll be a lot of beginners it it doesn't matter it's not going to be that kind of competitive atmosphere among my kind of group i think we're going to try and get in there and completing the 24 hours will be an achievement in itself race control at mistapex.net get in touch until we see you next we'll see you next week We'll do another one next week. Until then, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. What tickled you, Mr. Bangeen? Uh David Hatton's in the chat. Oh, is he? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah, I remember that too. Um, I also remember him throwing a middle finger up at me while I'm driving behind him, which was quite funny. I think that's on the video. But there is a cracking video of, the, of me, David Hatton, and Kyle. Oh, um, hang on. I forgot there was video evidence. There so is video evidence of it. There's you um, denying you punted him. It's literally on camera. Well, no, I was definitely I was definitely giving him love taps. But the whole thing was, the problem was, David wasn't the problem. Kyle was the problem because I didn't want Kyle to come past me. And he'd caught us up so much because David was defending so brilliantly. Um, but I just needed to get past him to stop kyle coming past me because with all due respect to david i cared about beating kyle not about beating david <laughs> there you go brad it's okay to pump people as long as you've got you know as long as you really More want speed to. on the yellows yeah oh. <laughs> definitely forgotten about that Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.